Episode 196 of the Bevan James Hour Show, an interview with psychotherapist William Pullen. Radio team, welcome along to episode 195 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, well, today I've got a pretty cool interview, actually. I've got an interview with a man called William Pullen. He is a psychotherapist, and he has come up with this idea of called dynamic running therapy. And what it is, is it's how do I describe this? He will do sessions like a psychotherapist with, but instead of being in a room just talking to the person, he'll get them outdoors, they'll go for a walk or run or sit, and he lets the guy, the client guide the active movement of it, uh, but works through the things they're working through in their life while doing this. And it's kind of a concept that well, I'd never heard of before. It's, I don't think it's used a lot around the world, but it's a really a different approach to helping people move forward in life. And actually, the guy I had on, Brody, who I had on the last episode of the um, podcast, actually recommended him to me, so I've got in touch with him. And he's a really interesting man. So I've actually already done the interview, so I'll be putting that in a few sec- well, in a couple of minutes from now. Before I do put the interview on, I just want to start, uh, talk a little bit about one thing I'm going through right now. So I've got a bit of a bad injury right now, which is quite funny considering I did the injury podcast last week. But it's it's kind of injury which I'm not sure, I'm hoping... It, I just need a good back manipulation, but worst case scenario, it could be hip operation kind of level of injury. Now, again, fingers crossed it's not, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of going in that path where it might be the case. And it's a really interesting moment for me because A, emotionally, well, actually emotionally, it's one of those moments that reinforces I've, I've dealt with my life well, because if it is a hip operation level of injury, um, it would suck, but I feel I can manage my way through that. Uh, but one thing that's also really interesting is that I exercise a lot, and with that, there are some freedoms that come with that, because I move so much in my week, I can allow myself to have treats to, you know, I've got to be honest, I'm a really good eater, I, I, I'm i not someone who overeats, I'm not someone who eats a terrible, terrible foods, you know, I have my moments within the week, uh, but generally speaking, I'm, my diet 90% of the time is, you know, really great. But, you know, like, as I'm, you know, last couple of weeks, I've been not being able to move as much as I normally would, and definitely not to the intensity that I normally would. And so with this in mind, I've just been really mindful of making slight adjustments to my diet. And it's not that I'm being stupid about it, but I just, I'm not putting as much energy out. I don't want to put weight on. I'm not someone who stresses about weight, but I just don't, kind of don't want to put weight on because I'm moving less. And so I've just been making little adjustments to my diet. And it's just little things. It's like in my morning, my, my normal breakfast morning is two bits of, or two and a half bits of toast, two with tomato and hummus, and one with peanut butter. And then I have a protein shake and some fish oil tablets. That's pretty much in a coffee. That's my breakfast every day. So in the last couple of weeks, I've just been having, have been having the extra half a bit of toast with peanut butter on it. At lunchtime, I've just removed a little bit of the food from my lunch. So I've just maybe taken a couple of things out of my sandwich in my sandwich each lunchtime. In my afternoon, I normally have an apple, a protein shake, and uh, maybe a muffin if I've got a big day of exercise. I've just been having the protein shake. Now, what I'm finding is I'm just responding to the challenge that I have by making small adjustments to my day-to-day living. And I just think this is a an important message to share for those people who maybe when things like injury come along, they don't shift behaviours that need to be shifted. And why am I sharing this with you? And that's that's why I want to share this with you is that I don't know if this injury is bad enough yet. I'm still going through the assessment phase and I'm fingers crossed it's not as bad as I hope it is. But I'm making adjustments right now so that I don't fall behind even in this early stage because I am exercising less and because I'm exercising less, if I maintain my normal diet, there probably would be a little bit of weight gain. It wouldn't be huge, but there would be a little bit of weight gain. And then if I had to pull away from exercise even more because I have an operation and I don't make adjustments to my diet, I'm going to get to this other side of this more unconditioned than what I would want to be. Because let's say I do need an operation, and fingers crossed I don't, but let's say I do, and I want to get to the other side of this, I want to get back to movement 
in the safest, wisest, fastest way possible. So if, if I have a hip operation, it's probably going to be a while before I'm moving. But let's say I do want to get back to movement. Well, I want to do it safely and wisely. So I don't want to do stupid things to get me out of my injury. But I also want to do it in the fastest way possible. And if in this time, in the, in the kind of gap between now and let's say I need an operation again, Fingers crossed I don't. But let's say I need an operation. In this time between now and the operation, post-operation, if I don't make good decisions now, the time after the operation would be harder. And so what I want to share with you right now is that at times in our life, things happen that make us, that if we don't adjust quickly, we can wake up on the other side of it with a higher cost, a higher return back to what we want to be. And it I don't want to have a hip operation. I hope my hip can be sorted pretty quickly and it's not a major problem. But I'm making decisions today that mean that I stay in a good place throughout this next period of time, no matter what it is. And if it is worst case scenario and I have to get work done after the fact, I won't have to come back from not just the, the dealing with the operation, but also not having to deal with poor decisions in this period of time in between now and that moment. And so the thing to take away from this is all of us have moments which take us away from good habits. In this case, it's injury for me. But sometimes it will be other things. It might be a busy period of work. It might be a holiday. It might be you know, just something in your life that pulls you away from the good habits that you have. Now, in those times, we want to see that we are pulling away. So instantly in the last couple of weeks, I saw I'm not exercising how I normally exercise. And then you want to make adjustments and other behaviours in your life that keep you at a level that you'll be satisfied with through this time. For me, it's just having half a bit less of toast in the morning, taking a little bit of out of my sandwich at lunchtime, not having as much of my afternoon snack. It's just these little tweaks. They're not huge. And to be honest, I don't even really notice them. But just these little tweaks mean I'm able to manage this time in a way that it has less cost on the other side of this time and when I get to the other side of this time I can just focus on what's really important at that time so if you are going through one of those moments in your life like I am right now what are those tweaks that you need to make and how do you make sure you make those tweaks in a day-to-day -day way for me these three or four behavior adjustments I'm making aren't actually that hard but I tell you what, if I weren't making them and I get to an operation and six months down the path I've put on 10, 15 kg, that's a much harder challenge than these small three or four tweaks that I'm making each day. So it's by winning these small tweaks now, in the future you have a much easier, less demanding path forward. So I just kind of wanted to share that with you. Before we get into the main gist of the show with the interview with Dr. William, or with William Pollan, um, I just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. The patrons are the people who support this show. And to become a patron, what you do is you go to bevanjamesisles.com. You go into the podcast section, you click on support me. In the support me section, basically will take you to the Patreon page. And then you basically donate as much or as little as you want. So while it has a number on that page, the number is not what you're donating. You donate as little or as much as you want. And when you become a patron, you get a cool Bevan James Isles show nickname. And here are a few of the people who are patrons. Martin, the assassin Kelly. Well, we've got, oh, that's a name I don't know how to say. I'm going to say Adam on a... Oh, I don't know if I've given you a nickname. Here's a name. It's Aaliyah Dadge. Oh, that's, I'm going to say the cool name. <laughs> the cool name, Aaliyah Dadge. That's your nickname. Uh, there we go. And then we've got Adam Ironheart Philby. We've got Jared Cool Calm Collected Becker. We've got Belinda Happy Hardcore Thomas. And we've got Emily, I've got to wear shades. Cargill. These are all people who support the show. Thank you to all the patrons. If you want to become a patron, go to www.bevanjamesisles, go through the patron process, and you're supporting me with the show. Anyway, here is William Pullum on Dynamic Running Therapy. Right, Tim, I'm pretty excited today to have a man by the name of William Pullen on the show. He is a psychotherapist who has got some interesting stuff, what he calls dynamic running therapy, and I'm pretty fascinated to have him on the show. So welcome to the show, William. Well, thank you very much. Nice to be here. So, so maybe just give us a little bit of your history. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and maybe what got you to this concept of dynamic running therapy. Okay, I ran uh, almost 
not at all. Uh, I guess before I was 39 or something, 39, I had a bit of a meltdown after a relationship and, and took up therapy and, um, and, and running to try and get out of it. You know, I knew I was sort of depressed at home. I, I knew I had to get up and get out. I knew something had to change. I knew fresh air would be good for me. Socializing would be good for me. It was an easy choice, you know, compared to some of the other things that I might have had to do. So, so that's what I did. I found a friend and we started, you know, running very slowly. I had a lot of very bad lifestyle habits up until that point. And, um, and you know, like you and I were just talking before the podcast um, about how surprising it is that people can get from zero to 5K, um, how, how very doable it is. Well, that's what I discovered because I, I was amazed uh, once I got past the first sort of three or four runs that actually – you know, there was a little bit of momentum uh, coming up. So anyway, I trained to become a therapist because I enjoyed being in therapy. And uh, but all this time, while I was sort of recovering from my meltdown, I I I was I was running with my friend who was going through a divorce, and we talked a lot. And I noticed how great running was to get me out of my depression, out of my sort of isolated mindset. It opened up my voice. It, it made me f put me in a can-do kind of place, which mm. when you're depressed, you're very much in a can't-do kind of place. And so I thought to myself, well, this is a great way to do therapy. And I, I'll, I'll think about this while I'm training. I called it dynamic running therapy. Six years later, I had my first session, did a book, did an app. Now here I am talking to you. So, so, so at 39, you weren't a therapist, so you actually studied after no. that fact. That's right. Wow. So you had this kind of life-changing experience through some, kind of some hardship, and it made you realize you need to change your life, and you totally changed the direction of your life, and as part of that was the running and the educating yourself to become a therapist. Yeah, massively. You know, I had a lot of – I'd done a lot of really superficial jobs, working in media, working in banking – um, I, I'd had a lot of bears that mentioned bad lifestyle choices, smoking, drinking, poker, women, yeah. just anything to sort of, you know, none of it was very real. And every, all of it was very good at passing the time and keeping me amused. But in the end, I think I ended up sort of emotionally bankrupt. That's why I had mm -hmm. meltdown. It was just like, you know, I hadn't been real with myself. Uh, for an awfully long time and then when this woman when we broke up um, it just felt catastrophic and there wasn't really much real of me to fall back on and that's where I had to find me you know I had to find some substance. I'm, I'm really fascinated because there's a lot of people you know that's not a very unique experience that person who wakes up and they don't know who yeah. they are you know that's, that's quite common the people who chase the wrong thing uh but but they, unfortunately for a lot of people they know they need to change but they can't so what was the trigger to actually making you go no i'm, I'm gonna you know totally change the direction of my life and actually apply that to how, how, what made you do that what how were you able to do that well, I think therapy, therapy, when you go into therapy, you have a lot of time to reflect on what you've done right and what you've done wrong and what has served you and what might have served you once but doesn't serve you anymore. And all of that led me to understand that, you know, that I needed to be, to be more caring and careful with how I conducted my life and that were I to do that, um, I might feel more grounded and more real and, 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 and as a consequence, more calm and, and, and more in control. And, and the thing about running is, or any kind of sports exercise is it gives you a way it's, it can be hard to sit in therapy and, 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 and try to be real there and try to be authentic and try to work out what's really going on, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's a long process of, of, of dead ends and all sorts of other things. It, it takes time. Whereas running, you know, running is it's a pure input-output kind of thing. Right? Yeah. You yeah. show up, you either do it or you don't. If you do it, you feel good about the fact you've done it. And so it's an easy way to score points and say, look, this is a, this is a place where I do look after myself. This is a place where I feel good afterwards. This is a place I can measure my commitment to myself. This is a place where even when I leave this place, I can feel myself still more grounded to the earth than I was before I came here. And so, you know, when I saw all of those pieces in play, I was just like, yeah, you know, it's time for some change. I can't be, you know, messing around anymore. 
I think the other thing with running as well, and endurance sport in general, is the skill level is so low. Like there's definitely some skill yeah. to running, that it's yeah. just an, it's it's a really nice metaphor for growth in life because if you put the work in, you see the results. Like it's just so obvious. Yeah. Something like running. Yeah. Although you know, I I remember being at the the first what would you call running, the running national running convention or something it was called yeah. here, and I and they invited me to be on some sort of advice panel or something and this guy came to me and he said you know i've i've i'm 30 something i've been doing personal best non-stop for a decade and i can't just i can't break them anymore it's sliding mm -hmm. in the other direction i've hit my limit i'm depressed i'm okay. you know i don't feel like i'm moving forward anymore if anything i'm moving backwards and and it doesn't matter how much i put in i've hit a wall and I do think that running is an all, it's not awesome. In fact, you know, for any of your listeners who, I know, I know you've got a fairly elite audience, but, but for any listeners that aren't uh, elite and aren't necessarily big runners, the, the good news about running is, is that if you don't run, it's fantastic because you've got nothing but easy days ahead of you. <laughs> you know, you've got a few tough ones to begin with, and then you'll get some nice momentum, but it's much easier breaking personal bests when you're doing, you know, five-hour marathons or, yeah. or three-hour half marathons, it's a lot tougher when, you know, you're you're uh, you're a hardcore competitor, and that can that can take a lot out of you. I think, you know, I also think injury is another big one, right? Yeah. I mean, you, I know you you were uh, or you are or were a serious athlete. What happens to you when you get injured to your to your mental health? I, I think I've learned. I've gone through the stage where exercise doesn't represent all of me anymore. Um, so early on, exercise did represent all of me. Um, and right. so at that time, injury was a real dangerous place for me. Whereas now I've developed, I've always tried to develop a whole person. So there's there's many aspects to, that create the esteem of me. And so while when I get injured, I don't like it because I like movement, I can go, well, it doesn't matter. I'll play my piano some more. It gives me an opportunity to do the other things I love and I can be yeah. wise around how to manage it. And I also understand that as I age, the goal is movement, not necessarily elite movement. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I can be wiser in how I handle those times, but it's something I've learned and it's something I've worked toward um, because injury is a part of the game. And so you've just got to have to manage it really wisely, I think. It sure is. It sure is. Well, that sounds like a very healthy mindset you've got there. Yeah, well, but so it's, I've developed it, I tell you. When if you met me like 15 <laughs> years ago, I would have been crying and thinking the world's about to end. So so, so then you, you, you change your life, you have the ability to apply the change, you study, and at the same time you're kind of having this running journey. What made you come up with the idea of dynamic running therapy? And maybe you want to describe what that is to the listener. Okay, so, so it's, it's, it's an approach to psychotherapy. Uh, it's like, so there are, few different schools of psychotherapy if you go into psychotherapy you ask your therapist what kind of psychotherapist are you he might say he's a freudian psychodynamic he might say that he's person-centered humanistic he might say he's existential he might say he might he might say cbt he might have whatever in my case so i'm one of the most common which is person-centered humanistic so really it concentrates concentrates on the on the quality of the relationship between the client and the therapist uh and that's sort of that's sort of where the emphasis is on rather than looking this this idea that i can uncover this nugget of truth from your past that's been repressed and by shining light on it it's very different from that uh and and so the way it works is that i do that while walking running sitting with clients the whole thing happens outside it's 50 minutes long it's open-ended like any therapies typically lasts from six months onwards um and my, it's totally client-led which is really really important you know it's a, i i follow the client's decisions you want to walk run or sit whatever you want to do i'm going to follow you so they don't feel like they're trying to keep up with me or that. mm. um that's really important it begins with a sort of five minute mindfulness session if they're into that which helps to sort of ground us and make us present but essentially it's just regular psychotherapy just on the moves which like you with your love of movement it's my love of movement i just mm. decided to do psychotherapy on the move and what made you come up with the concept? Come up with it? Yeah, well, because I can't imagine anyone else is doing it beforehand. Well, I, I had read, I started to Google it a little bit, that there had been psychiatrists who'd done psychiatry on the move. 
um, but not psychotherapy. Um, as I said, you know, I just noticed when I was training to be a psychotherapist and still running with this friend of mine who was in, going through a divorce, he and I, it was, we would open up and we'd chat so well and, it, and, and the running and the talking at the same time were like this magic combination. I just thought, you know what, I, I, I want to offer this to other people, particularly men, because that can, it can be hard to, to be face-to-face -face with somebody or feel put on the spot for your man. It's easier to sort of have something to do. And, oh, I mean, you know, pretend it's not really happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's intense conversation. Uh, it just happens to be happening while we're running or we're talking about something very different. So, yeah, that's how it happened. And uh, results-wise, do you like, like? Do you find you get better results than maybe what you would if you were just sitting in a room with somebody? Like, like, what's the difference between the outcome? Or does it like, just talk me through that? Well, that's a good one. I'd have to say that it's impossible to measure. Really, okay. you know, it. Um, I, I, I believe I could. I, I don't mind saying it's untested, but I don't mind claiming that in my experience, the therapeutic alliance is stronger. That That is to say that the trust aspect, the moment where trust is established, that happens faster, I think, because um, the client sees me out there running with them. It's not, they don't coming to my house where I'm sitting and, you know, it's my, my temple and they bring their thing and they hope that I remember what they've told me. No, I'm out there hustling with them every step. In fact, I'm following them. So the power imbalance is, is, uh, is different. I think that creates trust and trust is a big one. Um, but you know, they're different, they're different, they're different animals dare i use that word different beasts that's still not much better is it different <laughs> <No>. creatures <laughs> all humans are different <laughs> um all humans are different and so so you know there is something about a self-selecting group because obviously if you can imagine yourself if you were having a massive meltdown somewhere and you'd never run before and you'd never been in therapy and you were breaking down left, right, and center. The, the last thing you would want to do is to add on to the challenges of your life, trying to run uh, your way through therapy and breaking down in public in front of everybody yeah. in, a, in a square somewhere. A lot of people, when they are going through that sort of um, challenge, really just want to be in a safe little dark room somewhere, which is understandable. And so... I find often the people that I'm getting as clients who want to do DRT are people who already have a small running practice. Um, they're people who are already quite focused in their lives. They're not at that crisis moment mm. uh, necessarily. And so it's, it's harder to, to contrast uh, for the sake of your question, uh, you know, one, one group with another group because they're different groups. And I imagine with that trust thing as well is because you are having a shared experience, aren't you? You know, the, the, that physical movement you're sharing with that person is also a part of that, that trust-building experience. Oh, did I cut out? It's, yeah. I lost you there for one oh, moment. I was, just saying, lost again. I was just saying, um, because you are having this, the, the running with the person, you are having a shared experience as well. And so it's that, that, that helps to build that trust as well. Yeah, massively. And research shows that actually beyond any the choice of approach, uh, the most important change agent is is the quality of that relationship. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's massive. Mm, pretty interesting. Now, in your talk, I watched the TED talk you did, and in your talk you talked about how you can almost figure people out from their technique. So talk to me about this, because I found that quite fascinating. Well... I mean, I think you can learn something about people from the way they, they walk and run. Uh, you must have noticed this yourself. You can just see it. Well, if you sit on a park bench during your lunch hour, just walk, walk, watch people walk past. Some people are really charging past, head down, trying to get somewhere. And you're just like, where are you trying to get to? They're just trying to pick up a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> but they're, they're charging towards that cheeseburger. So, you know, if you then... In therapy, we, we, we reflect these things back. We don't make assumptions, but we might have ideas. And then we say to the client, well, <clears throat> I noticed that when you, when, you, when you arrived here, you were head down and charging forward. Or when you talk about your mother, you speed up or something. I, I wonder what that's about. Uh, so, so we can ask the client whether that says something. Are you, are you charging towards something or are you trying to get away from something? Are you... Uh, 
Some people are really slow walkers, right? So does that mean that they're the kind of people who really take their time, but they don't really know how to let go? They're very controlled? Possibly, again, we can ask that of them. Some people are very bouncy when they walk, you know. What does that mean? What does that mean? Do you not feel grounded? Is is that what it is? You, Some people really sort of cruise along. Does that suggest that you're, you know, I mean, it could be anything, right? But I, I, I do feel like it says something. I mean, what do you think? You're the athlete. Well, it's, no, it's interesting. It's interesting what you're talking about there because what you're saying is that ultimately it gives you cues or clues on the type of questioning you can ask. You know, so yeah. it's, it's another form of feedback for you in a session, whereas if they're just sitting on a couch or on a chair in front of you, you've only really got their, their voice and their expressions to, to kind of decipher what you're seeing in front of you, whereas this gives you another clue of, okay, well, I've started talking about something that's speeding up. There's something here that I can ask questions around that can help guide them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I do notice, you know, I think it's very, you, God, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll do a few days maybe without drinking or, or I don't know. They'll just be, I'll feel extra clear. Maybe I'm on holiday. Maybe, maybe I've spent some time looking after me, whatever. I feel very close to myself and I go on a run and 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 i and i find quite often i get hugely emotional in a really beautiful way yeah. suddenly out of nowhere tears erupt out of me and yeah. i'm and I, I just feel so alive you know yeah. Yeah. and the tears often have something to do with something but they're not the sad tears of so they're, they're the tears so i don't know i think running can help bring up feelings and i've noticed this with my clients that that if they're talking about something that pisses them off, quite often they speed up. And then the question is, you know, should we run into that? Should we find out what happens if we keep on going? Because they might want to stop. Maybe maybe when they hit their anger points and normally they stop. Well, let's push on through that. Now I want to hear you screaming. I want to hear, you know, let's see if you want to scream. Well, of course, I have to kind of follow after them. So I can't prompt them too much. <laughs> it's it's a delicate thing. And obviously, I don't want them to get arrested for killing somebody in the park. <laughs> <laughs> it can get quite emotional um but no on a, on a serious note it's um it's a you know movement is yeah i i want to do tai chi have you ever done tai chi no no i've done some like classes and incorporate a little bit of it but not seriously yeah because no. i have this theory tell me what you think about this and i hardly think it's original but so tai chi is all about flow right you're 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 helping the chi flow in or out of your body or something but you were basically in those in those flowing moments you are contorting your body into every single possible version of itself it can be which i think is amazing right because we get stuck doing things you know you get out of a chair the same way for 40 years yeah. exactly the same way for 40 the range of movement is so limited yeah. after a while how you pick up a cup of coffee and that's about all you do i mean for a lot of people they get out of chairs and get cups of coffee and get into beds that's about it for 40 years so yeah. the range of movement is tiny and i believe i've come to believe i never thought i would believe this when i was training at first that that the mind um the emotional freedom of the mind is linked to the freedom of the body so the so the more my body can flow the more my mind can flow, the less rigid I am in the way that I think. Mm. Um, so, so the whole world by expressing or, or opening up the body to more movement, you allow yourself to open your, your mind up to more thinking. Yes, you break up that rigid thinking. The world becomes more plastic. I'm the person that can. I feel the potentiality in my body to do different things in different ways. If I want to, I can go and climb under that thing if I wanted to. Or when I walk into a room, I think you just experience the physical world very differently when your body can flow properly. And I, and I even associate that with fitness in general. Like I'm a very fit man and I've been a fit man my whole adult life. And I love the fact that if someone rings me and says, do you want to go for a three hour run tomorrow? I can just say yes. You know, like I just love the fact that I have this, this body that can, allow me to have opportunities that are enriching my life. Whereas you see a lot of people, they'll say no to, and three hour runs off is pretty advanced, but for a lot of people, you know, they limit their life because of their physical, you know, and, and when we think about enriching life experiences and shared experiences and those human connections, if you're staying safe because you're worried about your body, that's a real limiter in the experience you can have in life. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Absolutely, you've got to be free. Yeah. So, so I suppose a couple of questions I have for you is for someone who's listening to this, because, you know, all of us have got things to work on. 
Um, and they are someone of a level who thinks they need some therapy or need some help in some way, shape or form. What are the things that you think are going to help people move? What advice you'd give to those people around moving forward in, in their life? Well, emotionally, I'm good with people who are emotionally stuck and depressed, you know, um, which may be slightly different from what you're describing. But let me address those people anyway. Yeah. I, I would say if you're stuck where you are, Maybe it's a relationship you don't you, you you're, you're struggling with. Maybe it's a job you're not too sure about. Whatever it is, maybe it's a substance abuse issue. Maybe it's something to do with your weight. Um, change comes around, and you'll know this from the discipline of being an athlete. Change, change, change is a muscle, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Discipline is a muscle, and you've got to flex it. And it can seem really hard when you've been indulging yourself with cookies and cigarettes and everything else. It, you, you're not used to saying no. Um, so here's the answer to your question. I would say just say the smallest no. Take the smallest step. And then tomorrow add on a tiny step. So if not having a cigarette, if, 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 if having less cigarettes today seems really tough, well, then smoke the same amount and do it tomorrow. See if you can do it tomorrow. And if tomorrow you can't do it, try the next day. And if the next day all you can do is smoke half of one cigarette less than you would have done otherwise, start there. But just build it up. Just have mm. confidence because the momentum will take care of it. That's the secret. Mm. It all starts with a single step. We've all heard that before, but it really does. I mean, for me, as I was mentioning, I had some terrible lifestyle choices. I won't go into them too much, but people's imagination, I'm sure, can, can run into the rough right directions. And yet there I was a, a, a year after this complete meltdown of sitting in, in my house, depressed, terrified, drinking beers by the by the caseload and, and 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 chain smoking being unable to walk out the door um within a year and a half or something uh, of taking up running i'd completely given up smoking and run the paris marathon and if you told me either of those could have ever happened i would have never believed you i would have never believed you and That's yet the thing, transformation can be quite quite fast can't it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know the message is more: look for your small wins and build on top of those wins. But once yeah. you get momentum, once you see the possibility, you know, a year and a half—that's massive life change for you, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and, and you know, it's not like I became some running nut job, running every day and running five hours a day. I had a right, you know, three times a week. I ran for half an hour at a time. You know, nothing extreme. And when I did the marathon, I did it in some lousy time, but it still remains one of the proudest moments of my life i'm just actually i'm just kind of choking up just remembering it now yeah, just yeah. such a fantastic achievement yeah. and you know the bigger loser you are and i use that term with with, with humor because that's i hope we can still laugh about something somewhere but I, certainly I, I i had some very negative and silly ideas about myself that took a long time to get over and they still come back every now and then um but it's the sweetest victory of all is for the for the man that comes from uh, from the uh, woman that comes from the gutter. If you're in the gutter now, I'd say, listen, you've got the sweetest ride ahead of you, yeah. because when you do that marathon, and it doesn't matter if you do it in four, five, six, seven, or eight hours, when you do that marathon, you will feel so bloody amazing. Mm. And much more amazing than some geezer, like if you ran out and did one tomorrow, which you could do it in a New York minute, yeah. you know, you'd feel great too, but not like this person, not yeah. like the person who pulled them up by the bootstraps and got it done. So, um, yeah, you know. I think one thing to add done. to that, it's interesting because I've got a business, which I talked to you about before, where we get people running 5Ks over eight weeks. And, and one of the biggest pieces of feedback we get is they look at our product for two years before they join. It's kind of the frustrating as a business owner, but it's because people are so scared to right. start that journey. And well, I, I had a, another psychologist on the show recently, and she was a bit of a business psychologist, and she was talking about how when you're selling a product, don't sell the benefit and the outcome in the long term, sell how they're going to feel yes. today. And the other day right. I did some testimonials, some video testimonials with people who have just ran 5Ks. And so I wanted to get some testimonials around the idea of join up today because you'll feel you've made change. And so I yeah. kind of told these people, I want you to kind of just talk about when you, when you actually pushed up to sign and pay to join our product, how did yeah. you feel? And all of them, their faces came alive and they said, as soon as I clicked sign up and paid, and you know, it was good for my business that they did that. But, but as soon as I did that, 
I felt amazing because I knew I'd actually taken a step towards the change I knew I needed to make. And, yeah. you know, and you, like you're saying, look for the small wins. But I also think, realize that making that, that decision of change today, don't, don't think I need to do it tomorrow. Because that's often the problem. Like when I was younger, I, I, I've never really been majorly depressed, but I remember I had a moment where I was depressed for a short period of my life. And it was always that thing of, I'll deal with it tomorrow. If it gets worse, I'll deal with it, was kind of the attitude I had. Right. And yeah. that just keeps you in that place. And, you know, like when you are thinking about, if you are listening to this and you are someone who's kind of in that place where you know you've got problems you need to deal with, but you're delaying or kicking them down the road, you need to do something today to actually see that you are progressing forward. And, and I'm a big believer in going to see, you know, someone like yourself or looking for support to work you through that because, um, you know, it's hard to do it by yourself. But if you get great support and that choice yeah. of today of getting someone on your team to help you move forward is so important. Oh man, I mean, what you do is so valuable. What you, you do is so valuable. You you must have changed so many people's lives. You know, made them feel physically better, mentally better, emotionally better, and 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 you know, probably push their careers and love lives forward. Well, that's why I love movement because movement opens up the better person, doesn't it? You know, like yeah. that's the, the best feedback we get is what you just said there is, oh, I'm a better worker, I'm a better husband, I'm a better because I'm doing this running thing, and it's like. Yeah, that's the potential of it, isn't it? Why not just make the first session free? Would that you know work? Because then people I, show up and see how amazing it is. Yeah, we tried it and it didn't work. Really? Yeah, because we, 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 they weren't. They didn't. They weren't on boarded. They were like, oh, yeah. this is yeah. They weren't committed. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah I can see there's that. Something about a financial yeah. commitment that pe makes people actually commit. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And and you know if they. If they could, uh, if they were ready to make that leap so easily, they would have done it without you. Part of the reason they're paying you yeah. is, is for you to help get them over the line. So when you show, if you give it to them free, you're not really helping them over the line in the same way. Yeah, we don't yeah, value no, what's free, do we? Say again? We don't tend to value what's free, do we? we we're no. suspicious of free, no. aren't we? We are. We yeah. certainly are. Yeah. We, are. we certainly are. Yeah. Well, it's the same therapy, actually. You know, really? outcomes are, are related to if you if you make it too cheap, people get suspicious. I I once well, I did a lot of fishing when I lived in Florida, and I, I used to lose a lot of fishing lures, spoons. You know what you fish yourself? Do you know what a no, spoon no, is? No, I've got to fish about it, but well, if you can imagine the bowl end of a spoon, the little bit that goes in your mouth, uh, and then put three hooks hanging off the end of that. That's the spoon, and as you pull it through the water. The, the sun catches the catches okay. in that silvery bit and makes a lot of light and the fish see it they hit it anyway it's forever hooking on to things and 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 you would you could potentially go through quite a few of them for three bucks at a go and I remember thinking at the time this is 30 years ago why don't I just get these made in China for 10 cents each and I'll sell them for 150 you know yeah. So I did a bit of market research and went along to the local fishing store where I would buy my spoons. And I said, what would it be like if I had fishing lures for 150 that looked exactly the same as the ones you've got for 350 right there? He said, well, I'll tell you the first thing that's happened is nobody's going to buy them. I said, I said, why? Why wouldn't they buy them? They'd be twice as many. He said, because that's not what they're paying for. They, pay, they get to fish once a week on the weekend. They get away from their wife. They want to sit out there. They want a decent, what they believe is a superior lure, yeah. which even if they lure, lost it, they get, they're having a superior experience. They don't want the cheap experience. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. So if people want to get involved with, like, is donating therapy, is this just at this stage kind of a very small niche or is it kind of growing as a thing? Like, what, what, tell us a bit about that. Well, I mean, it's growing in the sense that there's an app, there's a book. It's growing in that sense. I... I've got a bunch of therapists from around the world who contacted me wanting to train to become dynamic running mm. therapists. I, I still haven't got around to doing it yet. Um, maybe I'll do that one day. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's not my, it's not my, I guess that business end of it isn't the training bit's not, not what excites me so much. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the book, where, where do people get your book and stuff like that? So on uh, it's on on in all good bookstores and and uh, of course on Amazon in England it's called Run for Your Life. I know it's sold over in Australia and New Zealand. I can't remember what it's called over there. It might be called the American title, which is Running with 
mindfulness. And in it, it's got programs for running with mindfulness, but also for running with depression, anxiety, anger, all sorts of things. Lots of questions that it asks you so it can take you on a journey of discovery through your depression. You make notes, you learn, blah, blah, blah. So it's a whole sort of process there. The app does the same thing. The app is 100% free, but it only has um, depression and anxiety on it, which are the probably the two biggest things in the world. So, uh, yeah, I'm really proud about both. And anybody who's struggling, um, yeah, let me know. Uh, and, and if people want to reach out to me, you can also find me. I'm happy to help people. Uh, you can find me on my Dynamic Running Therapy uh, webpage. You can find me on um, D underscore Running Therapy on um, Twitter uh yeah or on facebook or you know i'm all over the place last question i have for you is um yeah do you get buggered because like how many sessions are you doing in a week like you know like because because <laughs> you know like it's, it's a very physical role you do in the end isn't it i'm not quite sure how many sessions you do a week or something like that but is it fatiguing for you physically yeah uh, you know a lot of people ask me that question the, the truth is that you know most of these people they, they want to walk and sit and there are little moments so no it's very, very easy. In fact, it's just an, just enough to keep me nice and fit, actually. But I still, actually, in order to keep properly fit, I, I, I run my own, you know, I do, do my own running practice. So, no, it's not too taxing. Well, what are you most proudest of? Oh, that's a nice question. Um, I think probably the journey that I took to go from idiot uh, to a person of some some quality, that the courage that it took me because – you know, I was kind of a blokey kind of bloke, and it's not an easy journey to go from that man to becoming a psychotherapist, which is an industry full of a lot of women, predominantly women in this country anyway. Mm. Um, so I had to, you know, I had to I had to confront some stuff there, which I did. But, um, yeah, I feel like I live a worthwhile life now, a healthy life, and, um, yeah, I'm grateful for, for, for the for, for getting my act together. I still, there's still plenty of time for me to completely screw the whole thing up. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Well, I think one thing that's really, really nice for you, and I'm sure you'll agree with me when I say this, is that I imagine that earlier version of you damaged a lot of people's lives. And whereas now this version of you actually makes other people's lives better. And, and one thing I hope a lot of people discover in life is when you are adding value to other people's lives, it's almost the greatest reward of all. Um, and I'm sure that's been yeah. a nice transition for you. It's been a really nice transition. That's very well put. You've obviously uh, a star at your job. I bet you're very good with the sort of mental, the oh, psychology. I try. I try. I try, I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it's all about. Movement. It's you know, it's all about that. It's it's about the discovery of self, isn't it? You know, and it's there. okay. Can I ask you one quick question? You go. So let's say you're standing there. It's day one. You've got a group of inter intakes or whatever, and there's one person standing there, and they're just not feeling it, and they're just They've got a real can't do mindset on. What are you? What's what are one of the two things that you do to try and get them moving? So the first thing that's really important with our program is I call it the entry point. You've got to make the entry point so they can't fail. And what that means is when they come along to that first session, physically they're guaranteed to win. And the reason that's really important is that most of the people who join our program are very insecure around exercise and very vulnerable. So when they come along, they think they're going to fail. Um, and they're almost got that mindset of, you know, that fixed mindset of looking to why they're going to fail. And so what we've done is we right. set the cards in their favor so that they just can't fail that first session. So we've actually set it up that they have to win. And it's really important because the thing I've learned with beginner exercises, particularly those who have a history of failure, is that one bad experience, they'll quit. Whereas like people like you and I who've been exercised for a long time, bad experience is just a part of the game, you know? And you know, when you have a bad experience, just turn up tomorrow, you'll probably have a great session. But these people are so vulnerable that if they have one bad experience, they'll let you just quit. And so what you really think about in our journey is you're really trying to make sure that you're managing the winning experience. So basically right. they come along to that first session and the entry point is just, they, they just can't fail it. Seriously, we just make it so easy that they have to win. Now they walk away from that session going, shit, I did it. You know, and yeah. they're, they're, they're mind blown by the fact that they've, they've achieved a win in exercise. And yeah. then what you do with the programming is you basically, you let them sit in that, mo that kind of level for a period so that they feel more confident in that level. And then the next stretch, stretch point, which is the next step up in the program, is a guaranteed win as well. 
So even when they when we do get them to grow, it's at a level where they have to win. So what you're doing is you're managing their emotional experience that actually allows them to feel successful from day one. And throughout the whole experience, there's never a point where we make them jump too high where there's a risk of failure. And so yeah. what happens is they have these experiences of success, which then yeah. start to make them believe in themselves. And we often yeah. find that normally about week six in the program, they get this moment where they took over and they know they can run 5Ks. And you just see this real shift in identity. And, and I know you, they come up to me and they say, Bevan, when I see other runners, I start to think I'm a runner. And that's when you know you're really starting to shift their identity because suddenly they're yeah. identifying as a runner. And so a lot of it's about that. It's, it's, you basically just, you've just got to manage their journey really, really wisely. So there's just yeah. a win on top of win. Um, so that'd be the first thing. And then secondly, you've just got to make them feel safe. You've just, you know, you, you know, you've just, everything about what you do is, it's an, we, we talk about exercise. So for people with advanced exercises, all they want is to feel they've beaten themselves up. You know, that's the ultimate reward. Is that at the end of the session, they okay. want to feel like I've, I've worked really hard. And when they have had a session where they haven't worked hard, it's, it can often be a dissatisfying experience. Whereas for a beginner exerciser, that's the worst thing you could give them. So for the beginner exerciser, what they need to feel is safe, that they can trust you and that you're nurturing them wisely. So everything about what you're doing is just creating that really safe, nurturing environment. And I think one thing that helps us is that when they turn up, they realize everyone's the same. So they turn yeah. up and it's, it's, it's a lot of overweight people. It's a lot of unconditioned people. So that takes that social pressure off them. Um, but we do it like little other things we do. So every run we do, is an out and back run based on time. And the reason we do that is so that nobody's the last runner. So everyone runs, everyone runs out, or everyone does a walk run for like 10, 15 minutes, and then they turn around and head back. But if you're faster than me, or if you're slower than me, at 10 minutes, you turn around, you're at the front of the pack. And what that does is it removes that social pressure of worrying about being the last runner. Right. So it's, it's all those little yeah. things we've thought of that allow people Excellent. to be successful in their journey. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And in I don't suppose you have, I don't suppose, you, I mean, what really needs to happen, I think, is I think the, I think the government or the, the NHS in this country, the National Health Service, should start pres prescribing yeah. these kinds of uh, movements. Because, I mean, they're just, you, a lot of, a lot, there's a great connection, isn't there, as you will have noticed, between mental health and, um, uh, and and fitness. A lot of people are depressed because they're overweight. A lot of people are overweight because they're depressed. It could, yeah. could be going either which way. But the depression, it costs the state an enormous amount of money and costs the businesses mm -hmm. enormous money. And this obviously causes people's marriages to collapse and, and yeah. suicide yeah. as well. And then the physical problems, of course, are massive as well and very expensive. So all of these people should be prescribed, um, you know, your your journey, your, your program. Well, it's I don't it's, know it's really not. fascinating how many people have come to us, you know, but, you know, on the quiet, but you know, how, how effective this has been to helping their depression. Um, probably the last thing I'll, I'll say as well is actually the key to what we do is build community. So we do a lot of things behind the scenes to make sure we're building social relationships. Um, you know, like from day, like we, we do an introduction seminar and we do a fitness test and it's a pretty basic fitness test. And in the fitness test, um, we tell them we're doing it so we can measure their fitness. And it actually has nothing to do with their fitness. We don't even care because we know they're going to achieve the goal. We know they'll be successful. But what we then do is we know that when they go out and do the walk run, we kind of know the group of people they're going to be with. So then we do some group work after they've done the fitness test to build social engagement. So when they turn up to right. the first session, they've already started building social bonds. And, okay. and so we know that if we build friendships, they'll be successful. So a lot of what we do is yeah. we train our, train our coaches and how do you actually build friendships with the group? And it, yeah, it's all, you know, we need people, people need people, don't they? Well, I love what you're doing. Um, the last thing I, I, I want to say is just that you should maybe check out my friend Jessica Robson's um, Instagram account. Oh, she has she has a business called Run Talk Run. It's not a business because it doesn't make money, but it's now she's got something like 110 chapters of it around the world. I don't know if there's one there, but they're basically is a community uh, for runners or wannabe runners they just meet up once a week and you try and run and it's for people with mental health issues 
and uh, it does exactly what we've just been talking about. Yeah, awesome. um, maybe maybe somebody should set one up out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we can do. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you for your time. So again, um, I'll put a link to all of your all your stuff on the show notes. Thank you. Keep up the great work. It's, I find it fascinating. Thank you. And you. Doing. Oh yeah. Well, and you. We're all trying. <laughs> we're all trying. Okay, mate. Thank you for Good your time. Good to speak to you. Okay, see you. Bye. Right, Tim, hopefully you got something from that. Um, cool man, isn't he? And, and I love his transformation. You know, that message that kind of I alluded to, kind of wrapping up what he was saying, how he's come from somebody in life who is maybe damaging other people's lives to someone who's having an impact on other people's lives. Think about yourself right now. In your life, what do you bring to other people's lives? Do you bring damage to other people's lives? Do ultimately the experience of having you in their life make their life worse? Or do you bring goodness to other people's lives? Do you make people's lives better? In my morning Bevan's book process that I go through, I I have a statement in there. It's when people spend time with me, they feel life is better. And that's something I'm pretty passionate about as a person. And it's something I hope I live up to. I don't know if everyone would agree with me, but I hope I live up to that in other people's lives. And it's just a really good thing to think about. And, you know, it's interesting that William, when you look at his experience, you know, look at the impact he's having on people's lives now in really powerful ways. And there's this flow-on effect that he has to the world. But also I imagine for himself, he is a much more happier, content person in the world being the person he is now. So obviously a pretty interesting man. I loved what the concept has come up with and the importance of movement and helping people transition forward in life. I'll put a link to all of his work on the show notes for the show. So just go to Bevan James Isles. Um, but yeah, loved having him on. So thank you, William, for coming on the show. If you want to become a patron of the show, you just go to bevanjamesisles.com. Go on support me and it's just an easy way to become a patron of the show. Another thing you can do is you can go to whatever podcatcher you use and put a review about the show. All the reviews just help us to get noticed and get support in other areas of the show. Actually, interestingly, if you look in Russia, my podcast is very popular in Russia. I'm just looking at the chart ratings all around the world. Um, in Russia, I'm doing very well in Russia recently. That's good to know. Uh, so all my Russian listeners, thank you very much for listening to the show. Uh, guys, I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a Bevan show. Keep being you. Just keep living life how you want and, and have an impact on other people's lives as well. As always, keep being you and I'll see you couple weeks time.